Good evening. Whether you're here in person with us or whether you're joining us online, thank you for joining us for this special service. We jokingly as a staff call this our Monday, Wednesday, Thursday service um, because we lump a lot of Holy Week into one service. We talk about um, the Lord's Supper. We talk about the cross. And so a lot of services get taken into one. I read a devotional this week by my pastor that I grew up under, and he said that someone named Dr. Jim Somerville said, please don't skip from the hosannas on Palm Sunday to the hallelujahs of Easter without spending some time at the foot of the cross. I think all of us would much rather rush through Holy Week. We rush through a lot of our weeks of our life, but especially Holy Week, it's, it's a somber week when we think about the sacrifice of Christ. But if we don't stop and take time to really focus on the cross, then we miss the depth of Jesus' suffering and the love that he poured out for us. As we begin worship tonight, I'm going to read for us from Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was punished." He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied." By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils of the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Catherine has already alluded to this just a little bit, but this is a rather difficult service for me, and it probably is for you as well, because 
we're a, a church that enjoys each other's company. It's a pleasure to be around each other. But on this night, we try to recreate some of the, the despair and some of the, the difficulty of that, that week. So, Catherine, you had it right. We need, to, we need to pass through this time, and tonight we'll be having a rather somber service. The scripture I want to share with you tonight comes from John 13, verses 31 through 38. Beginning with verse 31. When he, he being Judas, was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and he will glorify him at once. My children, I will only be with you a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus, Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Tonight I want to focus a little bit for just a few moments on a question that Peter, that a big question that Peter asked, and perhaps it's one that, that us flabbergasted followers ask every once in a while. Why can't I follow you now? Why can't I follow you now? The simple answer to Peter, who wanted to follow Jesus to the death, he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. Jesus knew, better than, knew Peter better, better than he knew himself, and he knew he wasn't ready. He had a lot to learn and a lot of growing to do. One thing... He didn't fully understand the mission of Jesus. He didn't understand the mission of Jesus. It was a mission of love, a mission of redemption. It was not a nationalistic emphasis on doing something about the Romans who were oppressing them. It wasn't that. It was something quite different. In verse 34 and 35, Jesus shares this new mission statement, a new mission statement for the people to hear. A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you so, much, so you must love one another. By this all men will know you are my disciples. If you love one another, that's how they'll know. Jesus was building a new kingdom, not built on power, not built on strength. It wasn't a violent overthrow as many expected. It was a different kingdom. And Jesus knew Peter didn't understand. He knew that, and he knew he wasn't ready. Two, he didn't fully understand himself. Peter was impulsive. I can relate to impulsive people, people who like to speak before they act. I can relate to that. Peter did not know what he was capable of. Certainly he would never betray his friend. That would never happen. He didn't know about the rest of those other guys, though, the other followers. But he probably thought to himself, but not me. I'll stick with Jesus through thick and thin. In the good and the bad, in the hard times and the difficult, I'll be with him. I'll never leave him. I'm on his side, and he knows that. Jesus can depend on me. He had a vivid imagination. And the scenario he imagined didn't play out as he expected. It didn't turn out like he expected it to. Surely if Jesus is attacked or taken prisoner or captured or in need of help, I'll be the hero of the crowd. I'll be the one who jumps to, to the forefront and takes care of him. A large group of Roman soldiers will come after Jesus. That's what will happen. And I'll stand up and say, to get to him, you have to go through me. But instead, the assault came in the form of a girl watching the door in the high priest's courtyard. The first, you're one of the followers of Jesus, aren't you? She said. And Peter replied, no, I'm not. Not what he expected. But he told her, no, I'm not one of his followers. The second attack came from one warming himself with Peter by the fire. You're one of the followers, aren't you? Once again, Peter replied, no, I'm not. I'm not one of the followers. 
The third, third denial came when he was asked by one of the high, high priest's servants, didn't I see you on, in the olive grove with this Jesus? And Peter denied he knew Jesus again. His imagination was locked on the dramatic, the large scale, the powerful assault, and his noble defense of the Savior. He thought that's the way it would happen. But in the end, the three small people proved that Peter wasn't ready to follow him. He wasn't ready. Three small people proved that point. Three, he didn't comprehend the obstacles. He didn't see the obstacles there. When and, when and from whom they would come. And the final sacrifice for Jesus, it wasn't what he expected. It wasn't what he thought it would be. Peter had a lot to learn. Peter had a lot to learn. The main thing being, he wasn't ready yet. He wasn't ready yet. And yet he followed Jesus on this earth after the crucifixion. He did follow him after the crucifixion. And later he followed him in death as he too was crucified. According to church tradition, hung upside down on a cross, grasping in this act the full understanding of the following he sought in Jesus earlier. We too will follow on this earth. We too will be called to follow. Learning as we go. We'll learn as we go. And only one and only as we learn, grow, and grasp the true significance of discipleship and the sacrifice involved will we have the true understanding of following Christ. It's only in the sacrifice that we learn what it really means as we grow and as we learn follow Him. The fact is, Peter learned what following Christ involved after Christ rose from the dead. After He rose from the dead, He followed. We know tonight of His death, burial, and resurrection. That's something we know about. That's something we profess. That's something we are sure of. Since we know about it, are you ready to follow? Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you prepare us tonight as we come to that point where we recognize and remember what Jesus did and the tremendous sacrifice he did for us, he paid for us. Father, help us to, to fully grasp the disappointment of this evening, the somberness of the evening, the contemplative nature of this evening. Help us to, to, to understand that and to quietly understand that Jesus Christ gave his life for each and every one of us. There won't be a whole lot of laughing tonight, but there will be on Sunday because we know how this ends. But tonight, Father, we want to grasp the disappointment and the despair. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.
We do try to pack quite a bit on this Wednesday night. Uh, we try to remember Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. In the midst of all this accomplishment tonight, we don't want to forget the last time Jesus was with his disciples together on this earth in the flesh. Luke tells us about it in his gospel. We'll join together in a time of communion and remembrance this time. You've probably out front found one of these, and uh, I think you know that the wafer is there on top with the initial little wrapper there that you pull off, and then beneath that is the juice. Those at home may want to find some elements to help them remember as well, something that they can use as a suitable substitute. And join us tonight as we remember the sacrifice of the Savior. These words from Luke. When the hour came and Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table, he said to them, I have eagerly decided to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I'm not, I will not eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, this, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, you will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's pray together. Father, we remember tonight the tremendous sacrifice that you gave on our behalf. You gave your life so that we might have life. And Father, help us never to take that for granted, but to constantly thank you each and every day and to remember what you did for us. Tonight, as we gather together, Father, I pray that we'll remember what you did. And that we'll remember it every day. On Sunday, we'll celebrate the results of all this. But for tonight, Father, we thank you. Pray that you'll bless our service together as we remember. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. From the Gospel of Mark. Very early in the morning, the chief priest with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? He has cri what crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. 
Jesus died after he was betrayed by a friend, after he was mocked and spit on, after he was flogged, stripped, and forced to bear a crown of thorns, after he bore the weight of a cross over his bloody and wounded body, Jesus died. And that was the punishment for sin, the sin of thousands of years of humanity and their evil ways, the sins of all those who had come before and had hated their brothers and sisters, those that had murdered, lied, stolen, and cheated, those that had worshipped false gods and taken the name of the Lord in vain. For each person that had lived on earth had sinned, and those sins had to be dealt with. But it wasn't just their sins. For our all-knowing God knew what would come. He knew that thousands of years later, humans would continue to do what was wrong. People of all walks of life would continue to fall to their temptations. God's very own people, Christians, you and I, would continue to fall short of holy living. Lacking in commitment, trust, and faithfulness as the very ones we often mock from Scripture, we too have fallen prey to our vanity, selfishness, and greed, our anger, and our prideful, arrogant, hateful ways. We have taken more than we needed. We have wasted our excess. We have turned a blind eye to the poor, the widowed, the orphan, the outcast. We have hated our neighbors in our hearts. We have hated them with our speech and our actions. We have used God's own words against him and the truth they are grounded on. We have lied, sometimes white lies, but murderous and bloody just the same. We have cheated and stolen to get more, to get ahead, to get money and prestige. We have committed every sin that could be mentioned. Look no further than the church. The sinners are here. 2,000 years later, but the price is still the same. Jesus died on the cross. Our sins nailed him there. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Today there was fear in him. 